Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome back to Hawks Insiders podcast. Uh, our very, very special guest today is Beck Goddard, the superstar coach of the Hawthorne AFLW team as uh, they enter, uh, well, enter their, probably their second off season, I guess. Their first off season was last season before they played. She'll be with us very shortly. Firstly, Andrew Weiss, hello. G'day, Ash. Looking forward, very, very much looking forward to this. And uh, I guess a, a nice little wrap-up of the exciting journey we all went on this season with, with the women's team in year one and, yeah, getting behind the uh, the brains of the operation in Beck and, and being able to pick her brain. Really looking forward to it. And Danny Prinsolo? Ash, really excited. Like, uh, echoing what, what Weesey just said, um, really to be able to get a peek behind the curtain with Beck this, uh, today is just uh, super exciting. So looking forward to getting stuck into the chat. Well, we've built her up enough. So Beck, Goddard, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope we got clothes on behind the curtain that we're going to peek behind. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. I might, I might keep that one. Beck, great to have you with us. Um, as we record this, the um, grand final, the AFLW grand final, an enthralling game up in uh, Springfield, uh, has been run and won by Melbourne. Now, I guess to Melbourne, it's a combination of a great program they've run for so long. But in watching the grand final, apart from, I'm sure, staring at competitive juices a bit, did you look at it and think Hawthorne as an expansion team is miles off it? Or did you look at the grand final and think, you know, there's a few tweaks and what have you and a bit more development and not that far away? Uh, well, look, I think to start with, grand finals are, are traditionally... Um, I don't think they're often very good contests. They're, they're, they're sometimes they're the two best teams because the amount of pressure that comes with the grand final, you probably don't see the best skill and, um, you know, movement of ball that you, you potentially would during the season when you're a little bit calmer. Um, so I, I don't know if, if some of what we saw yesterday was exactly what you would generally see Brisbane and Melbourne um, put out during round-to-round competition. Um I don't think we can compare teams that have been in the comp- competition for seven seasons um, to, to one that's been in for one. You know, we know how young our players are, um, how much more time in the gym the other AFLW teams have got. Um, so we've got a bit of work physically and, and with our conditioning to to get up to that. And then, of course, you know, um, working on those fundamentals that, um, you know, make you really clean when you're under that kind of pressure that those two teams are, were able to give out yesterday. So I think there's a, a bit of catching up that needs to happen. Um, I, I know that the AFL is certainly looking at what can be done to to potentially equalise the competition and, and make it uh, a little bit more even now that we've got all 18 clubs in. So no doubt with, with whatever happens there and, um, you know, with the work that we're planning on doing with our young group, we'll, we'll make more progress. Well, it is a young group. I'm just wondering, it's such a long off-season uh, till mm. next season. What can you do for the next sort of, What? How do you... If the season runs, in theory, the same time next season, what do you do for the next few months? It's a long period of time. Do you just have lots of training? Do they, will some of the girls play VFLW? How do you plan these next six months or so? Well, it, they're not paid. Uh, the girls are out of contract. Yeah. That's the most important thing. So whatever's done in the off-season now is, is up to the the will and the resilience of the great people that we've got on our list. Now, um, this is where we need to get to, I think, with the AFLW is that, you know, we get to 12 months all year round that they get paid for the work that they they do because if the reality is if they stopped 
um, all of their conditioning and everything right now and then just turned up at pre-season in June again next year, well, where would we be? We'd, we'd be nowhere. So um, we're, we're very fortunate in that the, the young group that we, we drafted, they're still in the gym here of their own choice um, and doing those, um, you know, extra sessions that they wanted to get bigger, faster, stronger. In the off-season, there'll be a balance of some of them playing VFLW, um, some of them, um, Sarah Perkins, for example, has gone to the NT to play a little bit of footy straight away. Um, but they're all at different sort of points. Some of them need a longer break. Some of them need a shorter break. So there'll they'll be a varying program of, of what they do over the off-season. Beck, this, this year, obviously, the inaugural season for, for the Hawthorne Footy Club in the AFLW. And, um, and yeah, like Weesey said earlier, we went on a journey with you guys um, as fans. And, and uh, most Hawthorne fans were just itching to, to get an AFLW team to get behind. Um, as, a, as a coach, um, for you, what was the biggest challenge bringing in a team from scratch so sort of late in the piece in, in the AFLW competition? What was the biggest challenge? And I guess... Adversely to that, what was the biggest reward? I, I think it's probably, um, you know, you've got to be able to embed a high-performance program really quickly. Um, and so we knew that we weren't going to be at the standard of footy and conditioning as, say, you know, the likes of Melbourne and Brisbane. But how do we build it so um, we can cater for the oldest on the list who, who have played a little bit and the youngest on the list without blowing everyone up and then putting out a, a type of game style that's, that's competitive and that our fans can get behind. That's, that, was, that was the biggest challenge. And, and I think um, we, we did really well in that. So at the same time, while it was a really big challenge, it was also a really big reward because we could see over the first four rounds um, that we were building and we were building to to getting a win. We weren't sure what it was going to look like or, or when it was going to come. But after the first four rounds, we, um, you know, we hit our straps and were able to put out some really good performances. And even, you know, right up until the last round, I think we, we played really well and you could see some really good ball movement and a will to, to want to kick goals and excite our fans. Absolutely. I think, um, I think, you know, one of the most obvious things from an outsider looking in at the group, um, be it through pre-season or over the course of uh, the season, was that there was a, a real, it looked like anyway, that there was a real focus on developing a, a, a full cul- a culture for this team, an identity mm. for this team. Um, and it just looked like everybody to a player bought in completely to that. Is that a fair comment to make? And can you expand yeah. on how you developed that? Yeah, well, that's the thing about culture or environment. Um, there's one wherever you go, um, whether it's a brand new place or an old place, um, there's always one there. And what does it look like? Is it good, bad? Is it indifferent? And um, what we wanted to do was, you know, build the base of that house. So um, in years to come, when it, when our time comes, um, we, we, there's no compromise on what those, what those standards are um, and that we play really good footy in finals um, and building those the, the base of that. You've got to remember um, our draftees came in at week six of pre-season. Um, so that meant they only had four or five weeks with us before round one, which really is quite extraordinary. Um, Anya McDonough and came over from Ireland a week after uh, the draftees arrived. So, again, even less time with us and had never played AFLW football before. And then we've got um, girls that had come out of VFLW 
um, but weren't really sure of the standards of what AFLW was. And then we had our AFLW players from other clubs who were used to training and playing a certain way that that is different to, to how we wanted to play here. So when you think of all of those moving parts, um, I think it's really exciting about where we can go for our first real off-season and pre-season together. Now, can you talk us through the week of the cultural review story drops on the ABC, which was also the end up being the week of the first win of the season? Unbelievably emotional scenes post that game. How difficult was that week? What sort of what, what was the mood amongst the girls? How, what did you and the coaches do? To, to, to work on spirits and then describe mm. the emotion of, of the win and how and of all the wins you've had, how special was it? It was a very sad week. Um, and I think I'll take my coaching hat off for a minute and, and say, you know, I've been a Hawthorne supporter um, back in the proud, passionate and paid up days, you know, lifetime Hawk supporter. Love Hawthorne so much. I named my firstborn Beagle Crawford. That's how much I, I love the Hawks. So... Um, to sort of look up on the walls at all the history around here and realise that um, people came to our club and and didn't have um, that experience um, of love and um, being together um, or what I thought it was like from a supporter perspective, even I, I felt very, very sad for the week. In terms of our players, you know, they're brand new. They're brand new to this football club and um, I felt it was a heavy burden for them um, they were the ones that were going out in public that week and trying to get on um, with a performance in their first season at Hawthorne. And um, I thought they did a really remarkable job. We had a, a lighter training session before um, that round five game against Sydney where we just really made it about um, enjoying ourselves and played some some games that you probably traditionally wouldn't play at football training, you know, Um that week just to get everybody together and, and enjoy themselves and, and take out ourselves out of that space. And then obviously turning up to that game and um, the performance that the girls put on in the end wasn't a great start, but um, we, we got there in the end and, and we really enjoyed ourselves that night and just celebrated together. I think the further question to that, Beck, um, is around the, the culture that has been set up as a club, as the Hawthorne Football Club, and then the enmeshment between you guys in the women's program and the men's program. So we'll touch on, you know, your relationship with Sam Mitchell, but mm. given everything you've tried to do, bringing both groups together, um, given that a lot of the cultural stuff was focused on the men's program of the past, that also must have added another layer of difficulty throughout that week. Well, the men's players were, were on their break, so they weren't even at the club. Um, a lot of them were overseas. So, yeah, there, there's really not much more I can I can share with you in that regard. They, that they weren't here at the time. So, um, you know, that's – I really don't I'm, – I'm not sure what, what else I can add to, to that other than to say that um, – you know, it was it was challenging for the girls to to come in and, and see the history on the wall with knowing what, what had come out in the media that week and um, for them to being on their pioneering journey as going first as a group of women at Hawthorne um, and their own private experiences and um, their, their time um, and their respect for, for culture and, and First Nations people. It was a difficult week. 
they came from four goals after the difficult week. They came from four goals down to win, and that speaks that speaks to the culture and and to the mental toughness of the group. You must have, but there must have been an incredible feeling that they came down because watching the game, thought, well, after all they've been through to be four goals down, it was it looked like it was game over. So to come around from there must have been incredible. I have to admit, in the coaching box after that fourth guy was kicked, I thought the game was over. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that if you build an environment where you can have open and honest conversations, um, I felt that I was in a place at quarter time where I could uh, go down and, and probably for the first time say some things a little bit stronger than what I normally would to the players. But we've got that kind of relationship that I knew that if I, if I, if I was pretty harsh they were strong enough to be able to take that and, and and vice versa. You know, I ask them for feedback about my coaching as well um, as the season goes on. So, um, and really the rest was on them. They were the ones that then responded after that and um, got the job done because we couldn't, have, we couldn't have done anything more from the coaching box other than, you know, drop, drop the truth of what was being seen in the first quarter. <laughs> uh, and just, I guess, to wrap this up and, and that win up, Beck, um, despite everything that was happening, you guys must have felt the love from the fans throughout the week because in terms of the support through social media, through the club, um, at the ground, like everyone really picked that week then to rally behind the women's team. Yeah, it was great. And I think everyone sees it. You know, we're the, we're the new face, the new addition to this club that now makes the club a whole, so to speak. And um, we, our, our girls that week just turned up and, and did what they they so desperately wanted to do, um, which is, is represent Hawthorne in the AFLW to the best that they could. Um, and they, they certainly did that that week with um, the full knowledge that we had the support of the fans behind us. I think that was up until the, the preliminary final. I think that was the biggest crowd they'd ever had at Punt Road Oval. So, um, yeah, our fans really got behind us that week, which was fantastic. Beck, one of the, um, I think, standout traits of this young Hawthorne side this year was um, their attack on the on the footy and their mm. attack on the player with the footy when they didn't have it. And, I mean, it, it, it played out or uh, yeah, it played out in the stats, averaging 71 tackles a game, being second only behind Fremantle, who have a couple of absolute tackling machines in their side. Um, was, that a, was that something that you went into the season trying to be or setting in place or was it just a product of the players that you brought onto the list or a bit of both? Yeah, no, it's a bit of both. Um, so good observations there. Um, one of the things that you never want to have to do as a coach is coach effort. And so I think that's a real uh, barometer for us about where um, the intent and the effort comes. You know, we want to be a team that, that is described as ferocious and offensive and, you know, tackling and being physical, That that's that part of the game. Um, but while we might have been up in the sort of top two for tackling, we're also number one in the competition for, for tackle efficiency, for being inefficient. So um, that comes down to being able to execute that fundamental skill um, at, at that level. And that's something that we'll definitely be looking at over the off-season and make sure when we do lay those tackles. And it's quite a taxing game start being that that physical as well. Mm. Um but, um, you know, that, like I say, that, that's something I think that's going to balance out as the seasons come on. And um, I'm, I'm really impressed, like I say, that our, we never got to the third quarter and that dropped off. It, we always stayed in it and we had it for, for four quarters of every game. 
And I think, I think you're spot on. I think that says probably two things. And, and I'm sure you've talked about this as a coaching group. It says, A, it keeps you in the contest for longer periods, right? If you're, if you're tackling pressures up, if your uh, intensity around the contest is up, you're in the contest for longer, um, which is great when you've got a young developing side because they feel that, um, you know, intensity of, of contest, but probably also means you're probably not getting your hands on the ball first. Um, so there, there needs to be probably a little bit more work done on, on how, do we, how do we have to not have an over-reliance on, on our tackling second to the ball uh, and win, win a bit more of the contest in the middle. Is yep. that fair to Absolutely. say? Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. fair to say. Yeah. Speaking on that and uh, a nice little transition, um, Jazz Fleming was uh, an incredible uh, pickup and look, we've got a, a heap of gun young, young um, players that came into the club and into the AFL system for the first time uh, this year. Tell us a little bit about about jazz and and just how much she sort of uh, went above the expectation you probably set, like you said, only coming into the club with you know four or five weeks to the season starts. Yeah. Um, she had an incredible season. Yeah, she did, and it wasn't even um, just jazz. I think jazz is like wise beyond her years. That's the other thing about her. So she comes into every conversation, every match, very maturely about what she's what she's going to do and the role that she's got for us. Um, but it wasn't just Jazz, you know, Charlotte Baskerin, Lucy Wales, Laura Elliott, Bridie Hipwell, um, Emily Everest. Like they're all extraordinary young people that went and did things that, um, you know, we didn't know what, what to expect. And certainly, you know, practice match on the MCG and I watched Charlotte Baskerin tearing from the wing and literally get fended off by Ellie McKenzie, who's a, who is a monster of the competition and just get flattened and get jumped straight back up. You know, that's the kind of thing that you you love to see and it gets me really excited about what's going to happen in the future if we got that after only five weeks of pre-season with them. And you mentioned Lucy Wales there. For a 21-year-old um, to pretty much solo ruck for the entire season mm-hmm. and do what she did, like well, she must have been a standout for you in terms of what she was able to give to the team. Oh, she's she's so good, and I mean, I'm I'm not even sure. I mean, touch wood, we were just so lucky that Luce never got um, injured. You know, in the ruck, obviously coming up, you know, it's it's combat. You know, you're you're hitting each other at every contest. But her work around the ground um, for a big person is really quite remarkable, and I think is only going to get better as as the years go on. Um, and her ruck work. Um, you know, she gets there, but she, you know, she gets down the line. She takes takes a big mark. Uh, we would have loved to play her forward a bit more too, but we weren't able to do that um, with the absence of a, a backup rack after Tamblyk went down in, in round two. So um, I think she's got an enormous future ahead of her, and um, yeah, she's a fantastic person as well. Favorite of ours is a, is a catch. She was uh, she. <laughs> Comes onto our spaces on a Thursday night regularly. She's, she's there and she, she invites herself on and we have a bit of a chat. She seemed to improve on as the season went on and arguably kicked the goal of the year for the entire competition. Tell us about her as a footballer and, and, and her presence amongst the group. Oh, she's just a great person. Um, she makes everyone smile. Um, she just brings colour and life to everything we do. Um you know, she she knows um, that she's got growth, but I think that was absolutely her best AFLW season. I've seen of her 
play at Frio and at Richmond. And, you know, she was consistent. She selected herself consistently uh, every week. And now, you know, she's got uh, an enormous off-season ahead of her, I think, to try and, you know, maintain that for next season if, if that's what she wants to do. So, um, yeah, she certainly makes me laugh and everyone else laugh. Um, and you, you can't put a, a, a figure on how valuable uh, having that kind of diversity and um, of her cultural heritage and background coming into our group and, and teaching us about uh, her life and her family and her community and culture um, is so important. Beck mentioned uh, Sam Mitchell before. In terms of your personal development, um, how important has your relationship with him been? And I guess entwined in, in that, his match day role in the, in the women's program and your match day role in the men's program, how important has that been from a development point of view for you? Yeah, I always find it an interesting one. I get asked about, oh, you know, how do you and Sam get on? Um, and it's almost like, oh, if I say that Sam and I get on really well, then um, tick, you know, must, must be like he must be a good coach or I must be a good coach. And, but what Sam and I have got is that um, we came through Box Hill together. Um, we're two high-performance coaches trying to be the best and um, we work with each other uh, to, to be better coaches. Um, you know, one doesn't have a difference to the other. And it's like any um, office environment where you've got men and women working together. That's exactly what Sam and I have got. And we bounce ideas off each other. Um, we talk to each other about, you know, how, you know, how post-game reviews are going. We go into each other's um, different different stuff um, just to get, you know, fresh ideas and different ways of, of doing things. And um, Sam came in for... Um, a very wet game down at, at Box Hill. Um, I got to do a few more games than that with him because it was our off-season earlier in the year and I look forward to doing the same thing um, this season coming. Um, but he obviously had wrapped up his season by the time we were really at the, at the in the thick of our AFLW season and we got to see him about the place a bit. But we, we do work, we're together, um, but we're also, you know, quite independent coaches in our own right who, who love to collaborate and bounce ideas off each other. You had a, like a four-year gap between your second and last season with Adelaide and then mm. coaching Hawthorne this year. I had the season uh, with Box Hill a couple of years ago. How much did AFLW football change? Did you have to sort of feel like you had to put the training wheels back on or was it, uh, or was it pretty straightforward for you to, to slip back into that role? Um. You know, like I'd, I'd watched a lot of the AFLW as it had gone on and I also coached in the NEFL uh, with the Canberra Demons um, before they finished up in the competition. So it wasn't like I was entirely out of football. I'd, I'd stayed in touch with it. Um, but from an AFLW perspective, you know, I'd done a bit of work with Channel 7 commentating. So I'd been keeping an eye on, you know, where things were heading. You know, I think the conditioning of the players is, is one of the biggest and most obvious things that you can see that's changed Um and, you know, we were never going to be at that level um, when we came in. So um, we knew that that's something that we're just going to have to, you know, have to catch up and keep working on. But in terms of game style and, uh, you know, how, how we want to defend, um, I felt quite comfortable coming back in that I, I knew what we were going to do and, you know, where we wanted to be. So um, it was good to have other coaches around the club to float those ideas through. Like, you know, I got to talk to Andy Collins about my game plan, where I saw it going, what did he think about that? 
um, Adrian Hickmont especially, you know, um, we got to talk about 16 aside a lot and what he'd do if he had that opportunity coaching in that space. So I've got a lot of ideas um, before I came back in and went, yeah, this is what we're going to go with um, and, and felt, you know, that we were going to be at the level. And after obviously having won the premiership with the Crows and and the way everything finished there and um, I guess the disappointment from a career point of view after Adelaide and, and not being able to stick around AFLW, it must, I mean, it must just absolutely fill you with satisfaction in terms of the Hawthorne journey, especially, as you said, having been a Hawthorne supporter, but... Um, through VFLW, through our inaugural year in, in the competition and, um, yeah, the, what it's done for us as an entire club, it must give you incredible personal satisfaction based on your journey. I feel like it's almost fate, you know. Like you, you go through, you know, different, you know, roads in life to, to get to where you want to be and however, it, however it's happened, it all happened for the right reason to end up home you know, here at Hawthorne. And um, I have to admit, when I first came into the club, I had to be careful because I was a, I was a bit of a fan. You know, I was like, oh, there's, there's Big Boy. Oh, there's Sam. You know, like you had to like take that off and go, hang on, I'm a coach here now. took a few weeks, but I got there eventually, guys. But, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be to be back. And um, all of the, the hard stuff um, makes makes being here now, you know, worth it. Um, one of the things all uh, us fans of the footy club and your program that you put together, one of the things we look forward to were, were player debuts, Beck, And um, we look forward to them for multiple reasons. One, because you always want to see the new players and get see them get a gig um, throughout the year. But two, because of the um, ingenious ways you uh, managed to work out how to break that to those to those players that take up a lot of your time because there were some pretty creative <laughs> ideas i actually just said to the media team like you're going to put me on the payroll for the the boy draft that is coming through in the next couple of days because um they should have added me to the payroll i completely agree with you i i uh i don't know i think it's kind of the sign of a, a, a coach you've got to have a little bit of crazy in you you've got to be a little bit eccentric and um you know have that creativity to um, I, I just want to show the best of the girls and, and share that with with all of our Hawthorne people about their you know their, their their moment and their time to shine and so that was sort of the thinking behind that and um, I wanted to make everyone different so they, they'd have that memory forever. There are a couple of different home grounds this year, um, a couple at Box Hill and then a couple at Frankston. Did you sort of feel like you were just sort of borrow you were just sort of tenants of temporary tenants wherever you were and how quickly you know how, how, how exciting is you've got another year of this to come up and then you've got Dingley on the horizon which will be a true home and looking at the Brisbane game yesterday obviously you know they've built a fantastic facility there yeah so what are your thoughts on, on home grounds and that sort of thing going forward oh look I think I think the AFL will probably ultimately dictate that I think there's some crazy stat that the AFLW this season was played on 37 different grounds across the home and away season and that's that's it's probably not sustainable like just pick a, a small handful and and go with that until you know facilities are, are kind of up to standard I reckon but for us at Hawthorne we were happy to play um 
where, wherever. Um, it, it was our first season um, and we know that Dingley's coming and um, it was just an opportunity to, to make the most. We had, a, we, we had a bit of a theme. We wanted to steal any ground that we, we played at by stealing a win from whoever the, the official owners of that ground were. And, um, yeah, we got, got away with a few. Frankston became a bit of a fortress and um, we love playing out there. I mean, the sunset's beautiful. Not that we got, had much time to notice that in the coaching box, but you did notice it on the replays when you got to do your game reviews later that week and um but everybody seemed to get behind frankston as a as a great venue and we felt that we had some uh, tactical advantage there certainly um you know going out there a couple of times to train and, and play you mentioned a little bit earlier that um it's not a 12-month contract that these mm. that these girls are on and i think um some of the difficulties around player retention and you know we in a in a non-fully professional environment um do you expect a a higher player turn a high player turnover this year or do you think that you know with the work that you you and the team have done to establish a really strong foundation and culture and all of that sort of thing that the um you know players want to be here and will wherever possible remain at the hawks what what does that what does the offseason look like from a player movement point of view well, I think there will be some play movement um, just by virtue of the fact that um, the, the competition needs to be balanced out a bit. Um, but I don't expect um, a large group leaving Hawthorne. Like you say, um, we think we've created a, a pretty special environment here. But what we, we will potentially see is that there, there might not be some players that are at, at the level and need to go away and, and do a little bit more work. Um, and in that, we get some players that are a little bit more experienced and can add something to Hawthorne. And I think that player movement in the AFLW is only going to happen for potentially another couple of seasons at, at the rate that it has been um, because expansion does bring a little bit of um, extra money and benefits and opportunities to players that maybe weren't getting them at, at other clubs. And I think that's healthy. I think it's important to do. I'm not going to deny any young woman um, a chance to earn um, more money for for something that they're really good at, and they they should be um, looking after themselves and and making those decisions, um, you know, with with that in in their minds. But uh, we're really comfortable with the environment we've created, and and know that our players want to want to be at Hawthorne. There was a fear with expansion, and one of the arguments against the expansion was it's going to lead to a dip in the standard of football. Now, the counterbalance, obviously, was it's much better to have four new teams and a million more potential supporters for AFLW. Do you think this, across, you watch a lot of AFLW, do you think the standard dip, did dip this year or do you think the standard no. held up with the four teams? No, I don't, I don't think the standard dipped. I think it, I think it probably um, stayed the same. You know, obviously, the top, top echelon of the team, the te- uh, you know, the better teams that have been in for a long while, you, you're always going to see a better better skills, a better schmick standard, but I don't think it went backwards at all. Um, if, if anything, it probably just stayed the same. So um, it might, again, sort of plateau, but I, I expect a, a pretty rapid development with our young players over the next 12 months, that's for sure, even though, um, you know, like I said, they're not 12 months year-round yet. So you're listed in the AFL 2023 season guide on the Hawthorne uh, coaching panel. So I'm keen to know what um, your and you touched on that you'll be you know, working uh, in some development work. Have you got a clear job spec for the men's program for as much as you can do next year before you turn your attention back to the women's thing? Yeah, I've also got to take a, a bit of a break, guys. You know, um, it's it's been a pretty big year, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a high uh, adrenaline uh, junkie kind of job. 
Um, and you can't operate, you can't just go from one season where you're working basically seven days a week and jump straight back into another season where the same thing's happening. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll get a little bit of a break coming up, come back in, in January, do some stuff with the guys. Um, but also, you know, I'm here for the girls, um, even though they're in their off season, we want to be able to have touch points with them whenever they want to come in and make sure that I'm accessible to them, um, as well as our high performance manager and Liv Knowles. So there'll be a bit of a balance of, of both both things um, and, you know, getting better myself as well um, by making sure that, you know, I'm across what the, what the guys are doing in their program and hopefully also doing a little bit of PD maybe outside the footy club as well before we get back into pre-season in June. Beck, I, I think um, it's clear the effect that, that, that AFLW has had on on female participation all through junior footy, all the way through to senior footy with the number of girls and women's teams all around the state and country. So um, did the girls have a true sense of um, the fact that they're pioneers um, and still part of um, the early days that, that in the next sort of 10 to 20 years, <clears throat> excuse me, what we're going to see is this incredible influx of participation, talent um, that that the path the competition's on is as a result of you know them leading the way and and actually have that sense of what they're doing um, around the country. Yeah, you know they take their roles of as role models really seriously, um, and uh, we we talk a lot around here about oh, don't really like being the first because what that means is that um, other women weren't able to do that um, and there wasn't a place for women to be able to do that. So when we do get to go first, we make sure we bring other women with us um, and that's certainly been something that the, the base of our house has been built on here, that we're going to bring other women with us. We're not just going to come in, like take what Hawthorne gives us and then, you know, chop off at the end of our careers. We, we've got to bring other people with us because other people missed out Um and we haven't missed out, so we need to to make sure that we're doing that. You look at players like Jazz Fleming now, who's been able to play the whole way through, you know, um, you know, through through grassroots, up through um, community footy, um, local footy clubs, into uh, the NAB League, and now uh, drafted just like uh, the the boys are. It's just going to be a regular occurrence going forward. Beck, we probably will leave it there. We said uh, half an hour. Well, that's what we've done with you. So uh, we just want to thank you for joining us on Hawks Insiders and from everybody, not, not just the three of us, but I think every Hawthorne supporter, thank you for being part of Hawthorne and the contribution you made and for building something that just every Hawthorne supporter is really excited about and to um, go some enormous thrills this year in some cases higher than the men's team, I suspect, and uh, <laughs> something, something to get really excited about. And I would say the the, uh, the Sydney win was as exciting, perhaps with the exception of beating Geelong on Easter Monday. I think that was the high point. Oh, of I agree game. with you. And I was in the box on Easter Monday too, so I, I can <laughs> I can t- tell you the level of tension was about the same. Um, but um, I asked all of the girls when they came in for their exits with me, which was your favourite win of ours this year? I got a mixed bag, but mostly the Swans one was a pretty good one closely followed by the West Coast one because it was a tactical win and we were all on the same page. And then the Port Adelaide one was a pretty good one because Hawthorne just likes to beat Port Adelaide. Well, I think that's the Adelaide <laughs> coming out saying Hawthorne likes to beat. No, that's a rivalry, really. But uh, we'll, we'll give you that one. 
Uh, good luck for the off-season. Enjoy what it will be a really well-earned break. Um, and we look forward to seeing you around uh, footy, both the men's and the women's, into 2023. And hopefully we can talk to you again uh, before next season. Thanks for your support, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That is the legendary Beck Goddard joining us on Hawks Insiders. Thanks very much, Beck, for that. That's been the podcast for now. Keep visiting Hawks Insiders for the latest content, both podcast and in written form as well, as we look at the things like the fixture release and as pre-season training continues, I think all the, the, the rest of the list is back any, any day now. So plenty to look forward to. And of course, there is the election results, which will be known pretty soon, which we will continue to dive into. So thanks for joining us on Hawks Insiders and we'll talk to you again next time.